welcome in to the Husker 24-7 Hoops Cast. I'm Mike Shaver, joined by Brian Christofferson, as we are here to break down Nebraska's breakdown against Creighton on Sunday and discuss the upcoming game against Minnesota. I've got a random Husker Hooper that we're going to see if uh, BC can pull out of the recesses of his brain. I think this one will be a little bit challenging. It's uh, it's it's not a bench player, at least. It's a guy that started. So and was at Nebraska for some time. So it's not mm. just a not a, a one year fling, if you will. So we'll we'll dive into that later in the show. But we will spend at least the first half of the uh, of the episode discussing what went wrong in Pinnacle Bank Arena. And I'm not talking about the halftime show, though we could talk about. Good Lord, what was that halftime show? Give me, you know what? I had my head down writing for uh, most of it, and I was vaguely aware it wasn't a good show. But can you give like a, <laughs> it wasn't the yeah. shim shams. I know it wasn't the shim shams, yeah, but can you give like the a, shams. a, I think I would have preferred the shim shams. So essentially three, uh, I have to assume grown men were in inflatable costumes. And what I mean by that is, you know, just think of Little Red. But these inflatables were um, obnoxious animals, I guess. One was like an anteater. Mm. Uh, I don't really know. The other two look like some kind of like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle villain uh, or something like that. So I I can't tell you exactly what they were, but they're in these inflatables. And then there's music playing. And they just sort of like pelvic thrust all the way around the floor and just kind of like jump <laughs> around and and do the sort of stuff that inflatables do because they don't have any ability to do anything really other yeah. than jump on their head. You know, that's, that's the pinnacle of an inflatable. Uh, so yeah, they just did some pelvic thrust and gyrated on the court to some music. And, you know, there was literal booing. <laughs> I've never, I've never <laughs> been around that before. I hope to, I hope to experience it again. It was probably the, the highlight of the day, if I'm being entirely honest, seeing the halftime act get booed. Also knowing that someone paid thousands of dollars for that halftime act is incredible to me. Like you just, this is the biggest non-conference game of the season, your best crowd that you maybe will have all year. And you didn't go to like the, the ready-made book of guaranteed successful halftime shows. No, we're going to pull these guys off of YouTube and they're just going to gyrate around the court just pelvic thrusting their way as Nebraska fans stare at a 20 some point deficit. Wow. Just, uh, it's really set the scene great for the second half. I, I assumed, uh, I guess that maybe just the refs had like poked their head out, you know, like, uh, and that's what it was about the booing, you know, like maybe, maybe they came out too early or something, but I guess it was the inflatable guys. Yeah, no, and don't get me wrong. The refs got booed a lot harder when they came out for the second half than the halftime act did. But there was still a good chorus of boos for a halftime act. Like, I just don't yeah. I don't want that to get lost in history here. I understand that Creighton won the game, and that's what people want to remember. But let's remember this not for that result, but for the halftime act that got booed. It needs that's to be how I think this game needs to be remembered. You know, someone fact, I don't even know that we need to put a result on the, the Creighton-Nebraska part of it. Let's just move past that entirely someone at the last second should have come to their senses and been like let's let's just put a dog out there like even if he can't catch frisbees just like send him out and the dog like can look confused people will still get a kick out of it like they could have put one of our dogs out there and people would have still been like oh yeah this is not bad here's a here's a super easy partnership for the humane society and nebraska halftime act just have like a 
have a dog walk show where you have these dogs that are available to be uh oh to man be, to be taken home and you just you walk them across center court and you have little you know you can call them paparazzis little people with cameras taking photos of them and, <laughs> and everything like you could this is an easy free idea i'm just throwing out there you know people would love it and dogs would get adopted like it seems like it's a great partnership you're welcome humane society and you're welcome the university of nebraska did you just think of that off the cuff or was that something yeah, you that was just a man, total that's brilliant. brilliant you mentioned the dogs and i was like well why wouldn't they just do this that might have been one of your more brilliant moments <laughs> you've ever had and i don't even mean that in a demeaning way that was like a just a a flash of uh there was a flash of lightning I, even though it's sunny outside i i saw when that well, when you started speaking there you you gave me the prompt and it just felt like it was the thing that could have been done that would have been a lot better than what actually happened <laughs> on that court so but we've spent too much time talking about the halftime show let's talk about the basketball team um i'll just give you the the viewpoint from section 111 they had a lot of open looks and they didn't make any of them so you can take that to be whatever you want. The shooting obviously wasn't good enough, but it wasn't like they didn't have opportunities. That's what it looked like from where I was sitting. Yeah, I mean, they did. Um, now, after the game, McDermott said um, they shot, he was speaking of Nebraska, shooting 22 threes. He said they were the threes mostly that we wanted him to take. So he liked who was taking those shots. I'm looking at the stats right now. Rink Mass shot five of them. He was one of five. Alec was 0 of four. So yeah. I think that's his main reference point there. Rink Mass, we know, is a big who can shoot outside. But I think they looked at it and said, eh, prove it to us in a game like this. You know, I know you hit three for three the other day, but let's see let's see this today. Um, he had a bet off day. Jamarcus Lawrence 0 for three. Um, as he settled more into point guard duties, um, he hasn't been as probably consistent behind the arc. So I think that's what, where that quote comes from. Cause if you add those numbers up, uh, one for 12 and then, uh, Gary was over two. So that's one for 14 well, between those four guys I mentioned. Jaron Coleman, I took, I think took two threes. Cause at one he point did. there was five from Alec and Coleman alone. And those are not good shots i mean at really any point like if you're at the end of the shot clock and the ball has to go up but it's it's tough i mean cj wilcher had an open look in the corner Jawan gary had open looks in the yeah. corner lawrence had open look like you got to get at least two of those uh right. and it's not you know it's not like they had to, to to match what creighton was doing but they needed early in that game to at least make a couple to open up the rest of the offense i mean Part of the thing is if you're if you're going to be a good passing team that takes advantage of spacing on the court, you got to give them a reason to space on the court. So it just it just fell apart pretty quickly. And and then here's the other. I mean, look, Brian, this is going to shock you. Columbus education and all. You can't trade two for three. That doesn't work in basketball. You're going to be on the losing end of that uh, more often than not. So Nebraska getting some twos could not combat Creighton's army of threes. Yeah, there was like a frustrating, okay, the last nine minutes is what everybody points to because it was, Nebraska was ahead, I think 23 to 22 with nine minutes to go and it was behind 52 to 37 at the half. And there was about a four to five minute stretch going to like the under four timeout of the first half where what you're saying was just happening every time down the court. Nebraska actually had this run where they got to the bucket and got some easy twos like three or four times in a row it felt like. But what uh, Creighton had an answer for three 
on the other end. And it was pretty demoralizing. I felt like in the crowd, even though Nebraska was scoring because it's one of those deals where, Oh, they're getting, they're having decent offensive possessions for this run here. Nebraska was, and yet you're looking at the score and then it's suddenly up to like a nine point Creighton lead. And, um, honestly, I thought that was like the most, uh, stomach punching moment of them all in the game was cause it, it just felt like, okay, this is the narrative of this game. Creighton's going to have 30 more points from behind the arc, basically than Nebraska. Good luck trying to make up that math, um, over the, you know, over the course of 40 minutes. And obviously, um, there was a lot of other things that went wrong, but that was a interesting part. And then even before the last nine minutes, Shireman scored 11 in a row. Yeah. Um, like from the 14 minute mark to nine or 10 minute mark. And you could tell like, okay, he's got it going and he's getting too good of looks for how he's feeling it. And, um, honestly, I agreed with McDermott. I didn't really want to say a lot about it last year. Cause it was a nice win for Nebraska, but he was absolutely right in his quote. He's like, we took the same shots we did a year ago, basically. They just made them this time. They got good looks last year at times too, and they didn't make them. And um, this year they hit 10 threes in the first half, which is how many they hit in the whole game um, in the in the contest in Omaha a year ago. So, yeah, tough tough game. Creighton's really good too. I mean, I I know people, we don't like to say that out loud sometimes in this area, but they're they're as good as they were last year to me, and I think they're actually better on the defensive end this year. Yeah, I mean they're definitely they're definitely good. I mean they they proved that and you could tell it early in that game. I mean, I, to me, a lot of it basically came down to Trey Alexander largely was a non-factor in this game, but Creighton got everyone else to step up. I mean, whether it was Baylor Shireman, who might just be the best player on Creighton, whether it was Kalkbrenner who protected the rim, well, stayed out of foul trouble, got rebounds, altered shots. I mean, he played a much better game. Nebraska could not attack him the way that they did last year and he was someone who needed to play a good game for Creighton I mean he was for as bad as their shooting was last year he was not the player that you know he was for most of the year for Creighton in that game and so he had a he had a much better game and this time around and then the real killer to me Brian their role players stepped up and showed out and you know if if Ashworth is is going to go off and Isaac Trout is going to get his and Nebraska can't get anything from their role guys or they're better players, you know, it's going to be a long night. And it, it really was. I mean, it, you know, that deficit could have been even larger. It felt like Nebraska also just kind of tucked it in uh, towards the end of that game and just really didn't have much left uh, after kind of coming out of halftime, throwing a punch, getting punched again, and just kind of stayed down after that. Yeah, a good summary. It was probably going to be a Creighton win regardless because the lead had expanded. It was like a 19-point game um, with 14 minutes or so, and there was about two to two and a half minutes where Creighton didn't score. And Nebraska had about three wide-open looks, sort of the ones we were talking about in the first half, from three, and it would have only made it like a 16-point game. But you felt like, okay, if maybe if they hit a shot there, you get one of those runs where you – you know, you have a 11 2 a little spurt and suddenly like Creighton has to like kind of get back up a little bit and it's a 10 point game or something like that. And they just could not hit that shot, which made it go from game that's already seeming like it's over to just like this is really lopsided yeah. and let's just finish this out. And so there that 
basically the first two minutes of the second half, Nebraska needed to really come out with the response. They didn't. And then there was that small window when there was a shot or two that could have like given a little hope towards something and, and it never came and it ended up just being a whole clunker of a second half. So, I mean, we could obviously, we could take a break and then get into this, but we could just, let's just kind of uh, attack this now. What, after a game like that, Nebraska obviously undefeated leading up to it, 7-0, and and then just getting utterly smacked uh, in a game in which, you know, you're at home, you had a great crowd for, like it was a really good crowd. I mean, there was a lot of Nebraska fans in that building. Yeah. I didn't see that much in terms of Creighton. Uh, and they were hot. They were ready for for that game. And, um, you know, the, the team didn't deliver. Do you have long-term concerns that emanated from that? Do you just have short-term concerns do you have no concerns? What What's kind of your takeaway after seeing that, Brian? Um, I have some worries, um, but they're the same ones that were there. Um, it's the defensive end of the court in a l- large part. Um, I, I, As much as we talk about the two for 22 for Nebraska shooting threes, I knew Creighton was going to be a tough matchup for them on that end, but the Huskers have sort of lacked that defensive edge as Hoiberg has talked about the last couple weeks, I I think, and they're still trying to find their identity on that end and they've got to find it fast against the type of teams that are on their schedule. When you're looking at, you know, you got to go on the road and Minnesota is maybe not the, the best team, but they're a big 10 team on the road and then Michigan state and K state. So that's a short term worry to me is like how good, how fast can you get on the defensive end? Um, after giving up all the looks they did against a team that is going to make you pay more than others, yes, but it was still it was still too easy. Um, and so that part I worry about. And I mean, you you do worry about the the outside shooting if it can be consistent enough, you know, like for how much it's relied on mm-hmm. in this offense when it counts. And they have a chance to prove they can be that team, and they are those type of shooters. And Rink Mast, I think, will have days where he goes three for four from behind the arc. But um, there's also going to be some games like the, these where it gives you a little bit of pause, and you're like, where does it come from if, you know, Casey was very creative to get to his 20 points. Like, yeah. he was doing – some um he had some great buckets like inside the arc but Creighton did a great job like taking away good opportunities for him from deep and dared everybody else to hit and nobody proved they could do it in a game like this and they're gonna have to show they can now going forward against uh, teams that are gonna see that and say yeah let's see you let's see you hit that shot yeah for me it was I guess I I wondered on this like guys like Bryce Williams and Rink Mast and they played in big basketball games but obviously you're playing against uh, a team, and it's not just a Nebraska Creighton arrivals, but you're playing against a really good team. You're playing against what's a simulation of what Big Ten play is going to be, and it kind of felt like they failed their first big test. Like you, you didn't get much or anything out of Bryce Williams or Rink Mass, and these are two guys that are supposed to be, uh, you know, guys that you're going to have to rely on in, in critical situations. So that I think was a little disappointing to me. Um, and then a continuation of a problem that was evident when you were winning and. You, you, what do you do with CJ Wiltshire on defense? I mean, they they found him, and Creighton would basically chase CJ Wiltshire and figure out who he was covering and get that guy the ball. And more often than not, he was finishing with points on on uh, Sunday. And so, if he's going to be a part of your defensive rotation, if he's going to play a bunch of minutes and in, in Big Ten play, 
you're going to figure out how to hide him, or he's going to have to be a hell of a lot better on the offensive end to justify what he's giving up defensively. I mean, it is a, uh, I think it's a, I think it's a real problem. Like he, I mean, he kind of helped put Nebraska a little bit in the hole when you put him on Baylor Shireman. Like that's a massive mismatch. You can't let that happen. And it did repeatedly on Sunday. And so I was, I was a little bit surprised that something is seemingly obvious as that was happening as much as it did. So, um, yeah. and then, you know, the, the general one, let's, let's take a break. And then I'm going to throw this question okay. to you. Uh, and you can, you can go ahead and I'll, I'll repeat it at the start of uh, the next one. But Basically, Brian, I want you to think about it. Do you think this is the kind of loss that carries over into the rest of the week? Because it's a big week ahead for Nebraska, regardless of that Creighton outcome, uh, with two Big Ten games, and you really can't afford to give both of them away. So let's take a quick timeout. We'll get BC's answer on the other side. All right, Brian, as I mentioned, big week for Nebraska. Coming off of that loss to Creighton, got slapped around a little bit. Now you got to go on the road to Minnesota. Do you think this is a team that has the mental toughness that they can put that game away from Sunday, turn around, show up fresh, and play on Wednesday in the barn? Um, I think they're definitely capable of it. We don't honestly. The answer is I, we can't know for sure because we're still kind of adjusting to these this group of guys. You're annoyed that you have to give that answer. I can tell. No, no, I'm not because it's the biggest question. It, it, it's just. I mean, the Minnesota game to me. When I saw the schedule come out, this is one of those like you know we do this with football all the time where we circle Turning like point games, baby. like Illinois on that Friday yeah. night, you know that game, and it and, was until it wasn't, yeah, and then it turned yeah. out the Michigan State game was the one all along. Yeah, but if you made me do it with basketball before the season, I would have circled yeah. this Wednesday night in Minneapolis. I'm going up there for it because I think it's all like right, the I I think it's like the uh, it's the game where like you know Schaefer if they could go show they can respond to what happened Sunday on two days, you know, two days of like having to lick your wounds. Actually, hopefully it was just like an hour of licking your wounds and then an understanding like, like we got to go. Yeah. Um, But if they, if they can show they are that type of team and go, I don't care if they win by one point and it's 55, 54, what the score is, but if they can get a win up there, like they did last year, uh, when Jawan Gary had a nice game, they won an overtime. Um, it would be such a boost, I think, for everything. And it would kind of reset it all and be like, okay, they're one and oh in the league, you know, Creighton's really good. They could be Elite Eight, whatever, this year. And you just kind of move on from it. But if you go up there and it lingers and it's a bad first like six to seven minutes of that game, and it's one of those where it's like 14 to three or something, um, that that could be that's where we could see like the Creighton thing was really damaging, you know, yeah. because it it, it knocked the wind out of this team for a very important two game stretch, two week stretch, which we talked about before Creighton, by the way, we knew, we knew CU would be a tough game to yep. win, but we said, you know, if they could like go two and two somehow, or like, even, you know, you beat Minnesota and you play really well in the other games, you, you, you come out of it. Okay. But uh, they got to go show that they're that type of veteran team, which is what Hoiberg signed these guys up for that has been through enough of these where it's like, yeah, that happens in basketball. Sometimes we ran into a team that was hot. We weren't, we're still a good team. You believe that in yourself, even if others don't. And it shows this, this Wednesday, they need it to. Yeah. Uh, who, so obviously Tominaga is really kind of the only one that was on uh, for portions of, of Sunday. Who do you think is the next biggest that needs to step up? Is it rink mask for you? 
Yeah, but also Bryce. I mean, Bryce, I think, is that guy who um, three-level score, and he, you know, early in the season, we kind of had that pod where we're like, I don't know, is he going to score as much? And then he he busted out. Yeah. And I think and he, he kind of went away again. Yeah. So this is where you want to see that come out again. Like you, this, this week, you, you start to see him be that guy. Um, I think he's a huge deal. Um, there's parts that I liked. Um small parts even in Sunday's game like I was noticing like Jamarcus Lawrence is, is is struggling a bit shooting it one thing he has gotten really good at man he gets the ball up the court fast yeah he's and, fast isn't it yeah like I I am surprised like for someone who we thought this is a work in process you know maybe there's training wheels at the beginning of it where you're playing point guard and getting used to it at this level He's he he plays with a pace that sometimes the other guys around him can't even keep up yeah. with. And I, there was a point in Sunday's game where I watched him get down the court fast, and I thought this could be really fun if he keeps going with this. And we did we could see him really grow into that role. And that was a small thing that I took that was positive. So it was there was a moment. It's funny you mentioned this. There was a moment where he was almost too fast for his teammates like he yes. kind of almost like dib- or dribbled himself into trouble a little bit mm-hmm. then had to like pull out of it and then he needed the uh the the reinforcements to show up and then they were able to like get into their offense but yeah i've noticed that too he's one of those guys that i just feel like if he can figure out how um how he's going to get his points like in 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 what ways he can sort of help offensively yeah. when he doesn't have the ball because when he has it, he's either going to be able to slash an attack or he can drive and, and set up, you know, assists and, and everything of that nature. But it's, it's can you get him in the corner and set up those corner three-pointers? They were able to do it, you know, against other teams earlier this year. They couldn't get those against Creighton. If he can do that again, I mean, he was such a good player down the stretch in February. I Like, you don't beat Iowa at the end of the season to, mm-hmm. to set yourself up for that Minnesota game if, you know, if Jamarcus Lawrence isn't what he is. So I, I think he's another guy like you that um, I think the best is still to come for him this season. And I, it's really been kind of fun watching him develop into this. Like I, I find that as entertaining as I do almost anything else going on with the offense. Yeah. Back to your original question though, that started this segment. Um, I was thinking about this a bit. The thing that really makes it more of a challenge is just that it was Creighton. Like if it were yeah. another team that had another name that came in, with the resume they had last year and the team they have this year and they ran you out of the gym, you you could probably shake it off a little bit easier. Cause you not, a, people are like, okay, that's a top 10 team, you know? And they just kind of like, whatever, if it's like Kentucky or whomever, but because it's that team down the road and there's so much venom and all this stuff that's put into the game, um, that's what makes it ultra difficult in this case, because I do think people would have been more understanding otherwise, but after what happened last year with the win and, and singing, like, let's do this again. And uh, they have a better team this year, possibly it could, you know, it got everybody kind of fired up. So there's going to be casual fans, the very casual who will kind of be like, okay, I, uh, I guess they're not that good. That's what right. they'll take away from that game. And that's too bad. But now they got to like chop wood while the people who really watch this thing closely are still keeping an eye on it. And they've got to get some stuff done in these next 10 days. And um, man, Wednesday night, just they they just got to come out and have a night where they're 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 dialed in um, shooting the ball, the crisp on offense. They liked how they were playing on that side of the floor before Creighton. 
they've just got to get back to it and find some of that stuff and, and hit some shots. You know, you just got to have one of those nights where you, where you knock down 10 threes, you know, yourself and, and you put Minnesota behind the eight ball. Yeah. It'll be interesting how they choose to defend Minnesota's big too. I think he had like yeah. a 30 point night the other night and he's, uh, He's a, an interesting player, and Nebraska went against him uh, all of last year, so it's not like anyone they don't know. But how you choose to defend that with Alec Mast and Gary uh, will be will be pretty interesting. Do you? I mean, at this point, do you feel like we have a, a pretty good handle on who's going to be playing for the most part for Nebraska this year? I mean, I I don't think Eli Rice is going to see a lot of playing time unless it's kind of a, a blowout. Uh, feels like feels like they're pretty content to leave Gary coming off of the the bench for now. Um, and then surrounding him with, with Coleman and, uh, and Hoiberg and Wiltshire for the most part. I mean, those are your four guys off of the bench that, uh, we're going to see most games, I think. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, the only shift I could see is if you, and it's really not a big deal because you're either if you swapped Gary for Alec in the starting role or something like that. But I mean, it, in some ways it doesn't matter. It's just like, yeah. those are, those are going to be your main six guys. Um, you know, Sam, they need Sam to come along here. He he was sort of that extra little um, ingredient last yeah. year where he would he would pop in eight or ten. And he hasn't had that the last few games. So that would be nice. And like you say, Wiltshire, um, he's got to he's got to be dynamic on the offensive end. Yeah. Um, got to knock down shots to to, you know, he has had those games in his career where it'll kind of go away then he'll have that night where he'll hit five threes. Um, but they just, uh, they need a probably more consistently where it's like two or three threes from him, you know, yep. like it just is that, and that you can kind of count on that. Yep. All right, Brian, are you, uh, are you ready for your first crack at uh, <clears throat> guessing the, uh, the Husker Hooper? Or yeah, I, Husker I'm kind of scared about it. Here's why. Um, I, I don't think I have to like prove myself to anybody uh, like as a Husker basketball watcher. Um, But I think we talked about this a little last time we did this. I think there's a, a, we both have differences in like what we know more about like the eras. And I was such like, I can't explain how much I was into like the big eight and Philip 66 (laughs) studio 66, like years of Husker basketball. Yeah. And like the '90s teams with with Danny Knee and stuff, and I covered the team for the paper and uh, um, DN uh, when Barry Collier was there. And then after that, I was always like really wanted them to get over the hump, but I was like so invested in football stuff coverage yeah. that I would admittedly, if they were having a season where it was a little off or whatever, I would kind of like I, I just wouldn't be full, you know what the starting five is all the time and like stuff like that. So I think there could be a, a massive embarrassment coming my way with this game. All right. Well, is what I'm saying, well, I'm setting myself up. Okay. We'll we'll see how this goes though. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie. It feels like we're going to get dropped right into uh, the, the thick of the area that you don't want. So go. We'll, we'll I want see. it though. All right. Um, is it, I'm going to, I'm going to start very. Is this is Steve Harley. It's not Steve Harley. All right. So ahead. that's one strike for you. Oh, already. No, that You're, doesn't count. That doesn't count. That doesn't count. All right. We won't count that one. Um, all right. So this, uh, this former Husker. Okay. Red shirted. 
You redshirted. I'm supposed to guess right now. Yeah, um, if you want to, or you can just tell me next clue. Just give me another clue. Okay. This former Husker played in both the Big 12 and in the Big 10. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, you hit, a, you hit a tough air for me. You did. It's a unique one. He redshirted. Give me one more clue, and I'll, I'll have some guesses. Uh, I have more clues. Um, this former Husker who redshirted and played against both the Big 12 and the Big 10 comes from Texas. Oh, I should I should know it. I should know it. Hmm. A big hole in my game, Schaefer is that with football guys, I'm so, like, good at, like... Would it, get... would it help if I tell you that he's from Missouri City, Texas? Yeah, I see. I know I know who... I, I, I know, the like, I know it. Um, <laughs> this I, uh, I, this I, I random actually, Husker Hooper I actually, is a six-foot-six guard. <laughs> I actually know who it is, but I can't think of the name. <laughs> Like I know, I I even when you said Texas, I should have said it because it would have it would have given me some cred. I should yeah. have said Missouri City because I actually was thinking that. Um, I was gonna lead with that as my first clue, but I was like, I'm gonna save that one for later. I'm not gonna I don't do know this. why, but I feel like this this one is known because of the Missouri City. Yeah, right? it should be. It and frankly, I do know it. Uh, like no, I mean I know it, but it's like the name is completely off my uh, out of my brain. Um, right now do you need me to keep like giving clues or do you just want to make guesses now what's it start with <laughs> uh well it starts do you want the first or the last name give me the first first name starts with a t this is uh brian is brian is just swimming in it right now yeah i am you this can is see not, him this is not my era like if you you this is like the era where it went dark for me. Um, this is the first person I thought of when I was like, we should do name the random. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's perfect because I don't feel like it's that deep of a cut. It's and there's not. People, there's it's people an, listening to this that are throwing stuff at you right now. Well, That's I understand great. that. It's an easy question. It's an yeah. easy question. Like, I get it. Um, Just say the name and we'll talk uh, about them. That would be. Tony McRae, who played oh, for Nebraska, okay. he redshirted in, I believe, 2007, 2008, a rare redshirt. Yep. He then played his freshman year, uh, where he was fairly helpful for Nebraska. He got injured his stop. sophomore year. And so that he was kind of the one that people were like, oh, he's going to make a big jump. He got hurt right away his sophomore year. And then it's kind of his, his two big years were 2010, uh, 11 as a junior, 20, um, yep. 2011, 2012 as a senior. So. I don't blame people for being mad at me, um, and that's fine. I knew I would struggle in a certain era, and that's it. And the funny part is um, I did some Tony McRae stories. Like, So it's not like I just disappeared, but there's Doc like someone that loved him. Yeah, and uh, Tony McRae hit a huge shot. Um, which game was that? No. Um, I obviously... 
Joe McRae. Joe McRae obviously hit the big one. I'm I, against I'm, Oklahoma. Yeah. Yep. I thought Tony McRae hit a really big shot one time, but um, that's a good name. That's a good name from Husker Hoops past. He. Uh, I should have got. I should have got it with Missouri City, Texas. That was the like obvious like clue, and it was. He had some big free throws against USC when Nebraska beat USC. Yeah. So. No, there was there was a lot of excitement about him. Um, yeah, yeah Tony I, McRae. I, Tony McRae. Well, that was an embarrassing like three minutes for me, but I kind of was worried about um, a certain era, and you 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 hit the era. Um, <laughs> All right. Well, I'll I'll work around that era going forward a little bit. No. I'll mix in some other ones. I'll, like I'll uh, like I'll, I'll end up I'll end up like throwing us into like uh Kelly Lively territory and um some guys uh, Tony Farmer like Tony yeah. Farmer if you would have I, went... I feel like we're we're sort of the wrong people <laughs> for this because we're going to be on the opposite ends of the spectrum. You should have went with to to Tony Tony Farmer was my was <laughs> my wheelhouse. You had the wrong Tony. I would have That's like, the only Tony that you're willing to acknowledge in Nebraska basketball history. Tony Farmer, part of the three seed Huskers that lost to Xavier. Wow. 18, and to show that I'm not a complete moron about Husker hoops, I feel like I do have to prove it after that is uh they lost 89-84 to Xavier in Minneapolis. And I still remember <laughs> It was like the late night game. Like we had to wait till like nine thirty, and you were oh, so wow. excited about that team, and uh, that one in the game they lost to Penn. You you might remember that after they won the big um, the Big Eight tournament was devastating to me. Yeah, well, they I mean they should have been. <laughs> those were those were years where people had expectations and they didn't they didn't come through. So, but now you get to go up to Minneapolis on. Wednesday, where there will be expectations. It'll be your first time in the barn. Yeah, first time actually in there. Um, so that'll be that'll be interesting with the uh, elevated court, I guess. Yeah, it's a unique uh, unique place to watch a basketball game. I went in 2018. Uh, I went and watched Nebraska play Minnesota up there, and that was where Isaac Copeland got a technical. Uh, very randomly assessed to him from yeah. from an official, and Nebraska gave away what felt like a, a winnable game in a season that felt like it kind of fell apart after they crushed uh, Creighton in that year. So, you know, maybe that'll happen to Creighton. Maybe Creighton season will go sideways after crushing Nebraska. One can only dream. Well, I don't think that's going to happen, but maybe <laughs> I don't either. I think maybe, they're good. I think they'll be just fine. Maybe. Uh... These Husker boys put it together tomorrow night and Wednesday night, and um, I think that would have the gym jumping again on Sunday. It gives them another chance, actually, to uh, have a pretty cool environment if you can win and kind of get some enthusiasm going. So this is a this is a big game. No question about it. All right, everybody, you can check all the coverage for Husker basketball at Husker 24-7. If you enjoy football and recruiting, transfer portal talk, you can find all of that at Husker 24-7 as well. For Brian Christopherson, I'm Mike Shaver. We'll catch you next time.